So in today's reading, Paul, rem Paul reminds us that we are citizens of God's kingdom. We are part of a community, a holy people, a people chosen by God. We are no longer strangers, but we belong. We belong as citizens. But more than that, we belong as family. And then Paul mixes his metaphors and he reminds us that we are also a temple. We, together, are a temple being built into a place where God lives. Wow. We, the people of God here in Wrexham, together, are the place where God chooses to live. And Paul says that God wants this building to grow. Now, we as Christ Church have always wanted to see growth by conversion, people becoming Christians. It's always good, of course, to be joined by people who are already Christians. But it's especially exciting when we're joined by people who don't yet know Jesus. So last week I talked about the way society has changed over recent decades. And we have become increasingly individualistic. This affects our mindsets, even as Christians. So we need to work harder at being community. As a community of faith, we need to keep the right balance between the individual and the community. Even to the extent where the needs of the community often need to override the needs of the individual. And that's very foreign to our 20th century mindsets. And I talked last week about the pictures from Paul, which shows the needs of the community over and above the needs of the individual. And all three of those pictures come again in today's reading. We belong to God's family. As a community, we're a temple where God lives and we all belong to the same body. Each part of the body is important and each has a different role to play. Together, we are like a family, but we are different, but with a common experience of the Holy Spirit. And together, we are a building, the temple of God where his presence is in Wrexham. And God wants that building to grow, to be a community of disciples who make disciples. So how do we build a culture around us that helps us to do this? Of course, there are a variety of possible answers, but we as Christchurch have chosen to build missional communities and we've invested in our missional communities. So today, not surprisingly, I want to talk about missional community as a community of disciples making disciples. As Christians, we are people who want to know more about Jesus. We want to get to know him better and to live our lives in a way that pleases him. So how did Jesus do his ministry and his mission? Jesus used a very simple training method. He shared his life with his friends. They watched him making those ordinary everyday decisions which together build up into a God-honouring lifestyle. And they watched him minister to people. 
And then when the time was right, Jesus sent his friends out in groups of two. We see him sending the 12 out in groups of two. And then later on the 72, again, in groups of two. But each of these pairs were part of a larger group on mission. So it was a shared experience. And when they came back, they met together and they talked about it. And they looked at what had succeeded and what hadn't succeeded. They shared their experiences. I think we only have a, a sort of brief account of their discussions, but I'm sure that as they walked, they talked about it and they learned and uh, they discussed what had happened. So if you could have the next slide up, Hugh, please. So missional communities at their best are places where this happens too. Whereas we get alongside each other, we share life together and we can learn from each other's successes and failures. After all, we learn far more from our failures than we do from our successes. And we shouldn't be afraid of failure in mission, but use failures as a learning opportunity. In missional communities, we can see and encourage each other in those daily life choices, which build up into a God-honoring lifestyle. And we can share mission together and we can debrief together and we can learn from each other's successes and failures. Now I suggest that the problem we have in Christchurch is that this isn't natural for us. Most of us are probably reluctant evangelists. So we have to be more intentional about this in our MCs. Now in our MCs we talk about ups and ins and outs. The up in reaching out to God the in, in our relationships with each other, and the out to those who don't know Jesus. And I would dare to suggest that we should put more time into our outs than into our ups and our ins. We're very good at Christchurch as our ins. They come naturally and relatively easily to us. We're very good at our ups too. But we're poor, or we're often poor and diffident in our outs. So let's be intentional and let's prioritise our mission. And I'm talking to myself here and our MC as well as the rest of you. Last week I quoted Nick Harding, the founder of Frontline Church in Liverpool. Uh, and Nick says that the disciplines of prayer, Bible reading and living a God-honouring lifestyle are not easy. And I asked myself if I was as good at these disciplines as I should be. Missional communities are a great place to practice these disciplines, to create and encourage each other and build up a culture that inspires each other in our discipleship journeys. A culture which encourages and enables us to be disciples who are actively looking to make disciples. So how do we deliberately build MCs that create and maintain this sort of culture? How do we create communities where the environment is it becomes natural for us to be disciples who make disciples? To be examples for each other. So that we see each other taking the time and effort to build God-honouring lifestyles. And one of the ways we can do this is by involving 
people from our MCs in our ordinary everyday life choices, in our decisions, our dilemmas and our difficulties. We can involve our close friends and I suggest we don't involve the whole church in each of our individual decisions. But we can involve our close friends in the way that we work through our difficulties. How do we see God at work in our problems? How do we bring our difficulties to God? And how do we seek God before we make decisions? Nick Harding talks about the four G's of God's grace. God is great, God is glorious, God is good, and God is gracious. God is good. Sorry, God is great, so I can trust him to be in control. God is glorious, so I don't need to be afraid. God is good, so I know he'll meet my needs. And God is gracious, so I don't have to earn his love. So how do I work these out in my daily life? How do Liz and I work these out in our family life? And how do I share these with my friends in our MC? I like that slide, true friends cry when you leave, fake friends leave when you cry. I want to give you an example. Now a word of warning, I do think we have to be careful how much we share and who we share with. We have to be comfortable with what we share and we have to be certain that the listener will be comfortable with what we share too. Testimony is good when we're comfortable with it and it builds us up. But I don't suggest that we all necessarily have to share like this. I'm using this as an illustration as part of this talk. Now our son took voluntary redundancy uh, in, started in February. Of course, that's just before COVID and lockdown. It's not a good time to be out of work. And he's lost his confidence. He's reluctant and he's depressed. And his redundancy money has now run out. So we're supporting him financially. And as I write this, I realize just how badly I've handled the situation. I've not faced up to the implications and I've certainly not included God in the situation. So where is my trust? Where is my hope? What confidence do I have in the four G's of God's character? Is God great in this situation? Do I really believe that God is in control? Is God glorious in this situation? Do I really know that I don't have to fear? God is good, but do I really know that he will provide? God is gracious. So why am I not bringing this issue to him? Now, Liz and my testimony is that we've always had enough money for what we need. We've always said that whilst Wrexham might pay our salary as teachers, it's God who provides for us. So God is in control of this situation too. God will provide the answers. And I don't need to do it on my own. And I definitely don't need to worry about it. And when I put this into perspective, then I and we are certain that God will work it out. We need to listen to Holy Spirit and to find and accept God's solution. 
Now, I need to confess that I probably wouldn't share this normally until it's all over and I've seen God's answers to the situation. However, it's better, really, to share this with close friends and growing disciples as it's happening so that we can all see God at work. And it's very encouraging to each of us when close friends share these moments with us as they're happening so that we can see God working things out in their lives too. So mission and discipleship happens best in small groups, in groups which enable us to share life together, to see and to share our vulnerabilities, to see and share our successes. God wants us to be together in community and for that community to be the linchpin of our life as a Christian. And I want to suggest that our missional communities are the best, albeit imperfect, places to find this sort of community. In these communities, we watch the lives of other believers. We realize that there's another way to live. We observe new ways of handling conflict and pressure. We see other Christians dealing with money and material things, coping with disappointment and failures, engaging with work and play, and families relating to each other. Now that bit about families always frightens me because <laughs> when you brought up your own children, you realize just um, how embarrassing some of those situations can be. It doesn't mean that we have to hide our failures. And it's embarrassing when, for example, our children don't behave in the way that we expect them to. But the question is not, is everything perfect? But how do we handle these situations? Where is God in them? We're none of us exempt from the ordinary pressures of this world. We don't always get things right, but we work through them with God. And we allow God to work through them with us. If we can share these difficulties with the right people, they can then see how real and how relevant God is. It's in our shared life together that we find the depth and the breadth of God's love for us. Together we start to heal from our brokenness. Together we begin to replace fears and phobias with strength and confidence. Together we discover a beautiful, if still imperfect, family. Together we discover our true identity. In community we fully understand what it means to be part of the family of the living God. Sons and daughters. Children of the living God who works his purpose out in our lives. Together we start to change. We discover our value. We begin to use our gifts in the service of the King of Kings. And I want to suggest that this is what missional community is at its best. A community where we can truly be the people God has called us to be. A community of disciples who make disciples with the Holy Spirit. 
So I'd like to bring a challenge for us to finish with. Some of you will find this easy. It's not one that I find easy. And it's a suggestion that comes from Nick Harding's book. Say that again. I haven't got there yet. <laughs> and I'm going to try, and I'm going to try it myself because it's not the way I usually behave. And I'd like my friends and particularly those in my MC to ask me how I get on with it. So here's the challenge. Next time you meet someone new, try spending at least the first 10 minutes finding out about them, their views, the things they've learned in life. You may be surprised by what you learn. Say it again. And I'm going to be obedient to my mum now and say it again. Next time you meet someone new, try spending at least the first 10 minutes finding out about them, their views, the things they've learnt in life. You might be surprised by what you learn.